Hello and welcome back to the Miraculous Being series. I'm your host and self-awareness coach Shweta Shivraman and this is a show where we discover, learn and implement lessons from others' life journeys. Others who I believe epitomize miraculous in its truest spirit. Individuals who live life to the fullest, who worked hard on themselves to reach where they are and those who are passionate in what they do. Today's speaker is Mariko Frederick, a visionary entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of Soul Priority, a company dedicated to transforming the way we approach work and business. Her remarkable mission centers around aligning her clients' professional endeavors with the profound assignments of their souls. Drawing on her deep spiritual insights and extensive expertise, Mariko has developed groundbreaking methodology known as the Four Soul Archetypes. Through this innovative approach, she assists individuals and organizations worldwide in discovering and embodying their soul's unique assignment. By embracing their purpose at a soul level, her clients unlock their true potential, cultivate abundance, and manifest the life they've longed for. Are you excited? Let's dive in. Thank you so much, Mariko, for doing this uh, on a Friday morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being here so late at night, your time. <laughs> Absolutely. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, you know, before we go delve deeper into the many beautiful things that you're doing, uh, it would be great if you could share your journey of transformation so that the audience is up to speed and then we can dive in. Oh my gosh. I've had, so I think my big moment of transformation was when my life that I had planned on, which I was, you know, planning, I was practicing alternative medicine. And before that I was working in a trauma intensive care unit and I had planned on staying in medicine. I originally wanted to become an ER doctor and then that didn't feel right to me. Um, and I went into alternative medicine and then I had a near death experience and it really, I was given an assignment on my life when I had that experience, which completely Put a wrench in all of my plans because I thought I knew that I was living the life I was meant to live, right? I was happy. I was married. I was living in a beautiful town in the mountains, practicing Chinese medicine, I was successful. And then I had a near-death experience and I was like, none of this is what I'm meant to do. And it was heartbreaking because it was what I wanted to do. Right. And so like what my soul was like, nope, this is what you're here to do. What my ego had planned on were completely different. And that was hard, you know, because I worked really hard to create this life that I thought was soul aligned. And then when you actually come face to face with oneness and your own soul and you see the truth of who you are, and then you get the message of like, eh, nope, you're wrong. That <laughs> was, was hard. So the transformation wasn't fun. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm transforming. This is wonderful. It's like, really? Seriously? So that was the moment, I think, is when I had that near-death experience. I was 29 years old, and I realized life as I knew it was not was not going to be that way. And then I was sick for 10 years. Like, it took 10 years to get my health back. So that was also really a deeply transformative time because it was a dissolving away of everything I knew I was both in the in the higher realms when I when I left this world when I die it all dissolves dissolves away immediately everything you think you are is gone and you're just the truth of who you are it's beautiful and then I came back and for 10 years kind of tried to piece my life back together and couldn't 
couldn't really do it. So it was, it was a long journey. Yeah. Uh, I can't even imagine what that experience must have felt like, right? Because, uh, you know, you, there you are thinking that you're doing great work, doing the things that you want to do, and suddenly you find out that's not what you're meant to do. That would have been very destabilizing, right? The first time you discovered what you're here to do. Yeah, it was. And then it's not like, you know, when you have a near-death experience that they send you back with like a marketing plan and a website and some knowledge of tech and how to run a business like I or write a book. I had no idea, right? I was in alternative medicine and healing and no, I didn't know how to do those things. And and I knew it. It's And again, they don't tell you with human words, right? They speak in in what I call, I mean, really it's in, in what I call the causal, that that thought wave. They speak to you in waves of thoughts without human language. And it's it's that causal realm language, I guess you can say. Um, so it was like implanted in me. I knew it, but I didn't have the words for it, but I had a knowing. And so the human language words were really like, you know, you're meant to have, you know, a bigger audience. You're meant to share your message. You're meant to write a book. And I was like you know, how on earth would I do that? Living in this little town, I don't, I'm nobody, right? How would I do all that? And then, you know, here I am today, I'm a number one international best-selling author and speaker, and I've created my own healing modality. And it's like, I think the answer of how isn't just how, but really you just keep surrendering and saying, okay, I'll do it. And the universe kept just putting the next piece of the puzzle in front of me. Right. And I can't even imagine that journey, right? Wherein uh, we've been living ego central, you know, ego controlled, controlling lives where we plan and strategize and do and uh, suddenly switching to allowing, yielding and surrendering and saying what is the next step and actually making it happen. How did you reconcile, uh, you know, once you were back, I'm sure the ego was also back, right? So the ego and the needs of the soul, how was that reconciliation for you? I mean, it took a while. It was really cool. Actually, the ego didn't come back full swing right away, oh. which was beautiful because I just kind of stayed in the bliss for a long time, um, for probably at least a year. I was just in this blissful state. I was also really sick, so it wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it was like 10 years before I was, because then I, I also, aside from you know, near-death experience and getting injured, I had contracted Lyme disease. Don't know if you have that in India. I hope not. Um, got bit by a tick, didn't think a thing of it. And, you know, three weeks later, I had a different incident, different accident. And, I, and that's where I had the near death. And so it took 10 years because it took three and a half years to even diagnose me with end stage Lyme. By that time, I was having mini strokes and absence seizures, and I was really sick. And that's when the treatment started. And it took, you know, years to just get my physical health back, right? I was having autoimmune issues. I was having just constant joint pain. And there was just a lot going on. My memory was just really, you know, glitchy. And it was like 10 years before I was consistently healthy to be able to think about getting started on any kind of business. And the interesting thing is, again, it's not like, oh, aren't you lucky you got this download of what you're meant to do? Did you know, you just hit the on button and like, no, God, no. It took 17 years from when I had my death experience and got this download. And in my, in my book, I go into all the details, but it was like having these four souls just sort of plug into you 
and just all of this love and joy and bliss and beauty flow through, but also knowing that there's some serious work going on and they were giving me a, a download and it was all very quiet and sacred and beautiful. And it was like carrying a box in my heart for 17 years that I couldn't open. Like, here's your message, only you can't access it. And it, it was, it was a, it was just living like a constant, almost pain of, I know I'm supposed to do something. I meant for more, but I can't figure out what that is. I can't put my finger on what it is. And it was 17 years later, it just sort of opened and I saw the whole thing. And it was, I didn't see it. It was like, I knew it, like it was always there. And the whole thing took about 10 minutes to write down. And I was like, okay. And then I was able to complete my book. <laughs> but it was, it was a 17 year journey to even writing my first, you know, to finishing, I guess that book it, it, 10 years later, I don't know. I can't time. So time is really interesting with me. I'm really bad with time after I died because time's not linear the way we experience it. So for me, and then also I, I, you know, experienced some brain issues. And so for me, sometimes I'm, I'll say, oh, it was a while ago. And my husband was like, that was 17 years ago. I'm like, you know, that's a while. Or I'll be like, oh yeah, that was like, what was that last month? And he was like, no, that was a year and a half ago. I'm like, oh, year and a half, a month, whatever. So I'm no, I didn't come back as great with like pinpointing time, which is funny. Um, but yeah, it took a long, it took a long time. And then it's all in perfect time. Yeah, that's the beauty so. of it, right? And, you yeah. know, I love how you said that uh, the whole transformation journey is not fun. Uh, I think in our day and age of Instagram reels of becoming six-figure coaches and all this instant gratification of suddenly becoming successful and suddenly becoming a changed person um, it would have been hard to stay on the path for 17 years without knowing that uh, you know something is going to come through right you had no idea when it was going to break through the book through you so how did you stay on that path that whole journey of 17 years I mean it, it's like gravity you can't how, how do you not get thrown off the earth it, you, you can't your journey is your journey I think you can you know, on this earth, you could make a lot of mistakes. You can go down the wrong path. You can get into drugs and alcohol and, 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 and become a terrible person, but it's a choice. You don't have to, right. We have free will. I mean, there's karma and, you know, but you have intelligence. You can use your brain for critical thinking and go, you know, that's a bad idea. And I think it's the same with the spiritual journey of having a soul assignment, what I call a soul assignment and just choosing to say, okay, I'll do it every day. And then not having it come through, not having it work out that day. And then waking up the next day and going, well, is today the day? Maybe today's the day. And then nope, today's not the day. And just every day going, okay, well, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. And then having the universe kind of intuitively be like, nah, you're not really ready yo, though. And I'm like, but I am ready. You're not ready. Okay. And then, you know, the universe is giving me other things to do, you know, and I didn't work. I was fortunate. My husband was able to support us um, when I got sick, which was hard. We were in our early twenties. This was not, you know, I was in my mid twenties. We had just gotten married and I went from making a good income to nothing. And he had to step up and be the sole provider of our family for years. So it's, it wasn't, you know, I don't think we came to this human incarnation to have an easy life. I don't think it's written anywhere in any of the sacred texts that you're supposed to come to this planet, incarnate as human, and just, you know, take it easy. 
and, and, and not do anything and have it all be really easy. Otherwise, any of the sacred texts, that's all they'd be doing. Yeah. And it would be really boring. And there would be there no would need be, for them as well. What's that? I was saying there's no need for them as well if it was an easy job. There would be no need. Yeah, there would be no need for anything. We would just all be in the bliss of oneness, in which case we wouldn't have to incarnate and we'd just be here, like blissed out. And so that's, I guess that's a bigger... <laughs> It's a bigger answer, <laughs> but it's like, why bother <laughs> if we're not going to come here? And it's, you know, is it the struggle of being human? Is it the struggle of soul and ego? How do you want to look at it? If you want to look at it as I'm having a crappy day, that life is so hard. Okay, great. The universe will give you more of that. If you want to look at it as, as I am in a journey, I'm having this journey as a human. I know I'm the soul and I'm getting back to being in, into my soul. I'm, I'm journeying back into oneness with who I really am to realize who I am as a self. And in order to do that, guess what? There's obstacles in my way. And how am I going to react to those obstacles? Am I going to cry and whine and make a big deal out of it? Yeah. For a minute. Cause you're human. Sure. Go ahead, but come back and work through it and don't be you know, a whiny little baby about it <laughs> for too long. I, I will say that we all get to those moments where we're feeling like, oh, you know, we want to just be like, oh, God, this is so hard. Yeah. That's okay. You're human, right? I mean, haven't you had that moment where you're just like, oh. of course, of course. And it is, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. I think, I think rather, I always say this, that for those who are looking for the spiritual life, I think it's a series of hard choices. Uh, you have to keep making those hard choices and keep jumping through hoops, probably faster than the others, because you want to reunite faster, right? To that oneness that you're talking about. So you're kind of accelerating the obstacles to come your way faster. So you're like continuously jumping. <laughs> exactly. I think some people who aren't living in abundance and aren't struggling and you know i don't think their life is so great because they're not calling in the next obstacle that's going to get them to the higher level of consciousness which is where they want to go maybe they don't want to go maybe they didn't sign up for that in this life maybe this is their first time being a human i don't know you know we go through different stages in our incarnation and maybe they are just kind of cruising through this life but is that the best choice for you and are your obstacles here to set you free or are you going to be a slave to them and whine about them and if you realize they're here to set you free, then step up and let them set you free faster, right? I mean, it's so simple. It's so we were, you know, we were talking before. It's like you, just one of the sutras will set you free. Just one. <laughs> just one. Just focus on one. If you get one, yeah, call me. The ball. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the that's the beauty of it, right? Um, I'm always amazed every time I read philosophy that. It is so simple, yet it's so hard for us to grasp, right? Can it really be that simple? You know, your ego kind of battles. It's like, really? That's all I have to do? Like, let go, just show up every day, do my work, and that's it? No, you know, let's complicate the puzzle and, you know, have doubts and fears and worries and, you know, sort of make it even more fun, animated for us. Fun, yeah. Well, that's the, I think it's the ego's full-time job is to distract us and make sure we don't reach oneness, right? So that's why the ego's like, what can I do? I want to do something. And the soul's like, you don't need to do anything. Stop doing anything and we're good. And the soul's like, no, no, no. I've got fingers and, you know, I've got an iPad and I've got to do something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and the soul's like, mm, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty funny, funny journey we're on. <laughs> True, true. This human body that we feel like we have to do something with all the time. 
Absolutely right. I think the, the I think that restlessness in itself uh, comes from that ignorance, right? Because we feel like we need to do something, get something, to actually feel that sense of worthiness when we don't really need anything at all. But it's just that when we sit quietly doing nothing, there is a sudden void that we can't quite make our peace with. Yeah, and I think it's less maybe maybe less um, ignorance and more forgetfulness. Yeah. Because you know who you are. Everybody does. I don't care if you're homeless, living on the streets, using drugs. Yeah. The soul knows who you are and you're you're nowhere by accident. Even if you're having a terrible life, you're not there by accident. On some level, your soul is like, this is what we need this time. Maybe next time you get to come back and, you know, go live, you know, as a Swami in, an, in a beautiful area, or or maybe you're, you know, you're living in America as a, as a, you know, happy person in a great house but right now this is what you need and I think sometimes I wonder if they I've I've walked by homeless people and I sometimes I feel like I think they're good though yeah I think like not everybody but sometimes have you ever walked by somebody who just looks destitute and you think but I think they're actually okay I've walked by one that I thought I think he's more okay than I am yeah yeah I don't know who that soul is but he's okay so we have this good, bad judgment in, in this earth of I'm doing well, you're not. You're hitting six, seven figures a year, I'm not. I'm I'm not doing good, you are. And then you walk by somebody who you would normally think is destitute and you feel that vibration. You're like, who are you though? <laughs> and then that just throws a wrench in all of the things we believe, right? You got to humble yourself to go just because you have a nice house or apartment or a job does not mean that you're more spiritually advanced than the person destitute on the street. So then that just throws a wrench in everything because we like to live in this linear state of beginning to end, good, bad. We're going forward in this linear thing and we're not. Yeah, very true. I think what distinguishes is the peace of mind, right? It's, uh, it doesn't matter what you have around you, but how much at peace are you with everything that's around you? And I love how you said it's forgetfulness and not ignorance because the knowledge is there. It's just that we've forgotten it's there. Yeah. And it's not knowledge you can read, you know, I mean, you can can read the sutras over and over. It's not, you are, you are like, you embody the sutras. The soul is that. Yeah. So, you know, it's not about reading or learning or knowledge that can be held in, in our minds. It's the knowledge of our soul of every particle of light that you are is within you, no matter who you are on this world. And it's about, I think, tuning in more to that particle of light within you instead of your mind. Your mind is a great tool, but that's all it is. It's like, don't get caught up in thinking, you know, that you are that. And I think that's where we get caught up. I think we do both, right? We want to be spiritual, but we also get caught up in having the mind and we're trying to like balance both. And it's not about that. (laughs) True. And I think somewhere you touched upon something that we spoke about earlier, right? That um, a lot of us today, we sort of live in our minds. Uh, you know, we're just so caught up in logic and reason. And I think that's one of the way in which we're going to stop ourselves in our uh, spiritual journey because not everything in the spiritual journey can be explained uh, by any logic or any reason, right? It's not two plus two is four. So, uh, you know, how do we really drop from the minds and sort of come into hearts and you know live heart-centered lives in a way? It's hard because here's the thing. I mean, I can tell you from my being in a state of bliss, you don't need anything anymore. So what happens when you don't need anything? What happens to the house, the apartment? What happens to the car, the job? 
when you realize you don't need any of it? What happens when you realize money isn't real and doesn't exist outside of this world? What happens when you stop caring? Well, that's where the mind is like, oh, oh no, we're not doing that. I care. I care a lot, right? I care about all the things I have. Yeah. But what about when you actually experience that reality of oneness? And I think that's the, the fear. When you come into that high state of, of being and you realize none of this stuff actually matters. Yeah. Now that said, here's what I'm going to say. Because I am in a way a money coach. I love helping people make money. I love helping businesses scale and grow and grow to six figures, seven figures. It's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I can see the excitement. Going. I know. I get. I love it. Because here's the thing. This is what we do. This is what we do as humans. Okay. We take money. We, we incarnate. We know who we are. We're like, oh, I'm this divine blissful being, oneness with God, everything. Okay. Come into this realm. We grow up. We're conditioned. What are you going to be when you grow up? Uh, crap. Now I can't be who I am as a soul because I have to choose a career and then that career will be who I am. Right. So we get that conditioning and then we go to school. What are you going to be? You have to choose A, B, C, you know, you're Indian. I'm half Japanese. So I can say we have, we can be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, maybe a professor, anything else. You are a family disgrace. So then again, our, <laughs> we get narrowed down <laughs> to what we're allowed to be in life. Right. So entrepreneur was not on that category for my Japanese side of the family. So um, now, now what are you going to do now? Well, how are you going to, how do you, how do you be the soul with these small narrowing options? Right. But here's the thing about whatever, because I've helped people with jobs make more money like, that, who have opportunities for bonuses. <laughs> what we do here on earth is we take money. And now that we've narrowed down our career into what we're allowed to be, and we've decided that we are our careers, you're not, but we've decided that, right? <laughs> we take the money we earn and we say, we decide that money has to suffer. Money is suffering. So we can't actually enjoy what we do. We have, there has to be a little suffering involved if I'm going to have abundance. So we do that for the most part. Most people aren't like ecstatic bliss, you know, making millions, right? They go to their job because they have to. And maybe they're good at it and maybe they enjoy it, hopefully. Yeah. So we keep narrowing down our options. And then I can tell you when I died, when I had a near death, I realized money doesn't exist. It's not real. However, you can have as much as you want because it's abundance and abundance does exist. Abundance is part of the, the, the divine plan. Abundance of what? Anything, love, energy, money, sure, whatever. It's a, it's a physical thing. You could have as many, you know, you can have, you can have as many pictures as you want to, if you want to collect pictures, right? If you want to collect, I'm looking at your room. Mm -hmm. If you want to collect singing bowls, if you decide, oh my gosh, I want singing bowls. And all of a sudden you have 50 singing bowls. The universe is not like, she has way too many, <laughs> but we do that with money. So we take money, we put it in a cage, we lock the door on the cage, we throw away the key and we say, this is all we can have. And there has to be some level of pain if we want to have more. The thing is, when you leave this world, and I'm just going to tell you because I want to give you the notes ahead of time so you don't have to leave this world. <laughs> you can have as much as you want. Honest to God, the universe does not care. If you want to have a lot of money, go have a lot of money. Money is energy, and you just need to start affirming that that energy comes to you. But instead, you're so focused on the ego desires of I want this and I want that. But money isn't, money isn't, how do I put this? Money is ego. But the energy of money, the energy of, of abundance is not in the ego. 
So in some ways, the more tuned into your soul you are, and the more you're working from the soul, the more you're tuned into that energy of abundance and the more money you can have. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think we are so conditioned in a way right, that you have to work hard to earn the money. Or, you know, if you have too much, you're privileged and you need to feel guilty, right? Or you feel shame or, uh, you know, what you said, you know, we suffer in so many ways because we kind of associate wealth with uh, certain bad things that we've grown up believing, right? And it's very hard to let that go because it's it's almost second nature to who you've become. Mm-hmm. Right? So curious. It's how we're raised, too. It's how we're raised, right? So I was just talking the other day about this and how, you know, in traffic, and I know this definitely applies in India. I was there about a year and a half ago, as you know. It's like, you know, if you see somebody driving a really nice car, and I don't know if this is how you guys express it, but I can say this is how we express it in America. And this is how I grew up, right? Um, in like a very middle-class family. If you had a very wealthy car, a very nice car, and you make a mistake driving, sort of a normal car, oh, he just wasn't paying attention. Now, if you have a, a, a poor car, then, um, oh, you're, you're asleep at the wheel, you yeah. know? And it's like, oh, well, I would rather, I would rather be the one just that made a mistake than the one who thinks they own the road or isn't paying any attention to anything. Yeah. And so we're conditioned on, if you pay attention to the language around you, even if it's about driving and how people drive, you know, there's, there's judgment that we're teaching our children that judgment connects to money. It's not just the car true. and it, it just pay attention. It's all over life. And it's not true. There's a lot of wealthy people who are happy and living in abundance and joyful. And let me tell you, if Krishna came back today, he'd be one of the richest guys on the world in the planet. I mean, the donations that would come at that guy and we would not be like, Oh, well now he's in his ego because he's rich. <laughs> we wouldn't have that judgment around him. Right. But we do that to ourselves. Yeah. But isn't that interesting? We think of Krishna, we think of, you know, for people in the West, they think of Christ or Buddha, and we think, oh, but they were so humble and poor. No, they weren't. Yeah. Not necessarily. No, they could have whatever they wanted. They just didn't need it. Yeah. Such a difference. Isn't that funny that somehow we've, we've separated abundance and we've taken it out of spirituality and we say we can't be spiritual and we actually can have both. Yeah. Very true. And you can be happy. Isn't that funny? And I'm sure that's like what you coach your clients on too. It's like, you're not separate. Yeah. And I think that separation is just so integral because uh, our entire world is on, you know, things and people and acquiring and possessing. So it's always in that space. So it's very hard for us to sort of disassociate and really say, really, I can have everything, anything I want. Um, you know, it's also a way of uh, clarifying what is it that you want you know sometimes even if you know today if I were to say that all my thoughts were to come true it would be a horror show right because not all my thoughts are pure right <laughs> not all my thoughts are nice they are negative in many ways so it, I think that's why I love the journey of yoga because you know you're kind of humbling yourself down you're kind of toning down your mind you're kind of channelizing your energy and focus and saying okay now when you're in the state of absolute clarity and you know now you desire something it happens right yeah because yeah so much filtration that you've already done uh that's why i'm a little scared of all these manifestation one-on-ones because i'm like unless this mind is clear and cleaned up manifesting everything that happens in my head is a scary proposition that's true you don't want to manifest anything but i think that you want to manifest i mean honestly 
So as far as a desire, that's really the best and only desire to have. Um, however, <laughs> you can have whatever you want. No desire is bad. You know, I think it, as, as long as a desire is good and you're not desiring to hurt somebody. Okay. That's bad. But I forget about that. I forget about the, the lower vibration beings that incarnate here. I'm like, wait, no, they do have bad, they do have bad intentions for, for some people. But in general, you know, if you want more money and you want to take good care of your family, or you want a bigger home, or you want to move into a nicer neighborhood, or you want a nicer car, that's fine. You can have it as easily as you can go buy a second singing bowl <laughs> or another crystal. It's like when you, that's the thing. When you leave this world, you realize it was that easy. Yeah. It was that easy. And all the obstacles that I saw that were like insurmountable obstacles that, you know, I would say would be 50 feet high and a hundred miles wide. And someone's saying, jump over that. And I'm like, I can't jump over that. But when you leave this world and you take your last breath, you realize it's a little tiny string that drops to about six inches off the ground. And all you had to do was say yes and step over it because the yes of following your soul of following your heart, the universe will drop all of those obstacles. Yes, you have to battle through them. What I'd be able to do is take pottery classes because I had so much neurological damage. Yeah. And yet I remember just saying and surrendering to the universe, surrendering to God, surrendering and saying, whatever it is you have in store for me. Okay. Whatever that means. Okay. I'm doing it. Yeah. And I didn't think I'd walk at the time, honestly. Yeah. I imagined myself on stage in a wheelchair. Right. And I said, yes, no matter what. And then look at me, I can walk, I can hike, I'm fine. And I, and I, and my, you know, I'm a little, I, sometimes I'm a little forgetful. I'm a, I'm a little, my brain can be glitchy and I have to take better care of myself. But in general, who's to say that obstacle that my doctor said would always be there is always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So anybody, you know, your obstacles are, they're an illusion and you created them. So uncreate them. Yeah. Right. It's like we cage ourselves in and forget that, you know, the key is still in our hands. <laughs> like, yeah. can unbox it. <laughs> yeah, just unlock it. <laughs> it's like if you were looking everywhere for your glasses, you know. <laughs> like, it's the same thing with anything you want in life. You're not human. You're this divine, infinite being. Go get which, go get whatever you want. You know, the, the big thing I think about this journey is just to be, be in alignment with your soul. Yeah. And if you also want to be in alignment with your soul and choose a bigger house, great. If you want to be in alignment with your soul and be destitute living on the street, great. Just don't be out of alignment. Just don't be, you know, destitute and, and in your ego, or don't be rich and in your ego. Those are the mistakes. doesn't matter how much money you have. The biggest regret you're going to have in your life when you, cause you don't die, you know, you leave the body, but you're not dying. I've never been more alive than when I died. <laughs> it's like the best, you yeah. know, cause I wasn't me anymore. Um, and I was me, Yeah. but the only regret really, when you come through seeing every moment of your life is, is, is times that you weren't living from soul. And that's the biggest regret you'll have is the moments you live from your ego. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Right. I think that entire journey of going from the ego to the soul. And uh, it brings me to something that, you know, is the heart of the work that you do in terms of helping people identify what they are really here to do, right? Uh, yeah. That soul assignment that you talk about. Uh, say someone who's listening into this conversation has no idea, right? Uh, was Is doing the equivalent of Chinese medicine today. 
uh, <laughs> you know, thinking that's what they want to do and that's what they're doing. Uh, what would your advice be on where they can start their journey of discovering that for themselves? Oh, right. Um, I think my <laughs> way. I think it's really easy. I think your your soul assignment is within you, so it's not hiding from you. No one's trying to keep it from you. The only assignment there is is to remember who you are is to go back into the oneness, to the capacity you're able in this incarnation. And here's the thing, you can go all the way. You can go all the way into oneness. It, there doesn't have to be the stages and stops. You can just go all the way there. That's the only assignment you have. That's it. The soul's not here to do anything at all. That said, we're human and we tend to want to do things because we've got all these great fingers and thumbs and we can do things on computers now. We've got this brain that wants us to do things, right? So what I love to do is help people align what their, what I call the four soul archetypes, which is about how to work in alignment with your soul and make money doing, sharing really the gifts of your soul, right? Cause it's, it's, I always say, I say, cause I live in the West that I want people to do what their soul is here to do. We know that the soul is not here to do anything, right? The soul is not a doing, the soul is just being, right? Radiating love, that's it. There's no doing, there's no action but we're human and we are going to do something here. So what I want to see people do is work from their heart at the very least, at the very least. If you hate your job, work from your heart. If you like your job, if you, if you hate your job, go find a different job, <laughs> but still work from your job, work from your heart. You also have these four archetypes within you. And this is the download I received when I, when I left this world. This is the one that took 17 years, thank you very much, to give me all the information for. And these are, this is your connector, your reflector, your expander, and your creator archetype. Each one of these helps you make money aligned with your soul and brings you joy each one of these and you've been doing it i didn't invent this i got the download i wrote the book about it this is already inside of you the connect for those who want to make more money your connector archetype is your money maker now any archetype that you feel more and i have a quiz on my website you guys are welcome to go see which one you're most aligned with um, which leads to a free activation you'll see we can talk about that in a minute but your connector archetype is your moneymaker. Your connector archetype is the part of you that can monetize your gifts, can monetize what you're, what the way in, I speak in the, in the West here is that monetize what your soul is here to do, monetize your soul assignment. Mm -hmm. So just umbrella, just knowing the soul's not here to do anything. I'm going to just speak my regular way. So the connector archetype helps you live from your soul, doing what your soul came to do and make money doing that. Now, here's the thing about connector archetypes. There's usually a wound from conditioning or something, a trauma, that tells you you actually can't make money doing what you're here to do. But you know you're a great connector archetype because you see everybody else's gifts and you see how they can monetize it. You're great at helping other people make money and you're not so good at helping yourself. But you're making your business, your company more money. If you work with other people, you make your coaches more money, you make whoever it is, you make everybody around you more money and you're not making the money yourself, but you have the capacity to, and that's the connector archetype. And when I healed my connector archetype and I realized it was a problem, I started hitting 20, $30,000 months, months, because I realized, oh my gosh, I'm making everybody else around me money. My connector archetype is on fire. It's doing great. What if I heal that wound? And then the money just, the floodgates opened and there was the money every month. So that's the connector archetype. Obviously it goes into more in my book, but just for this topic, 
Um, and then there's the reflector archetype, which we're using a lot of right now. A reflector archetype sees the soul in the other person. This is always on, by the way. You're not more of one. You don't only have one. You have all four. You're really good at one of them. Like one of them is like breathing to you. So for me, the reflector archetype is like my most natural, always have been. You're highly psychic, highly intuitive. You read the room, you read the energy in the room, and that's your reflector archetype. You see the truth in everybody around you but you don't always see the truth in yourself. So one of my clients, for instance, highly activated reflector archetype, making good money at her job. She could not see herself. We healed that. I worked on her for years. She's still my client 10 years now, and she makes um, over a million dollars a quarter because she started her own business. She saw who she was. She realized who she was. Oh my gosh. Now she's taken off and she's doing great, right? Um, other clients are best-selling authors. Now they're speaking on stage. It's a matter of seeing who you are and going, oh, okay, this is who I am. I'm here to share that with the world, right? And then this one is um, one of my favorites. It's not, I shouldn't say it's my favorite, but I do say it's the most important. And this is the creator archetype. And you're also using your creator archetype right now because you have a podcast. So you're using all of them. The creator archetype is here. So creator archetypes, you guys are great. And again, you have all of them, but the creator archetypes are like, oh, that's me. You have a constant download of new information coming through you, whether it's art, poetry, technology, books, thoughts. You have a constant download of something new that the world hasn't seen before. And you're here to express that. You're here to share that idea with the world. Because... The world, we are ushering in a higher age of being, a higher age of consciousness. And the creator archetypes are the ones bringing that through to the rest of us. And you have a constant stream. It would overload anybody else. It doesn't stop. There is no off switch. You only share a fraction of what you get with the world because you don't think we're ready. And creator archetypes, you're really good at hiding. You're good at hiding which scares you because you know you're here to shift and help us up level up into a higher age of maybe you don't know it's a higher age but it is so i'm telling you now if you don't know and so you know that so it kind of frustrates you and scares you that your work isn't getting out there but it also deeply relieves you because you like to hide so that's the reflector archetype you're here to usher in a new age you are here, reflector archetypes, to not to do what everybody else can do. You're here to do what no one else can do. You are not here to do anyone else's job. You're here to do and bring in what no one else can bring in. You're downloading things that none of us can get. That's the creator archetype. You are the most important archetype right now in this age, and you are the least supported. So when, yet, when I finish, you'll see how all the archetypes need to be supporting the creator archetypes and the creator. We all need each other. It's all interdependent. And the last archetype is the expander archetype. Again, we're using that archetype right now. The expander archetype is, I would say, the best leaders. Expander archetypes, you guys are the ones to selflessly get everybody where they're going. If you're in management, you see, you see, you see talent. You spot talent no matter where you are. And you might work in PR, you might work in middle management, doesn't matter, but you can't help but see the talent in other people and want to get them to the next level. You want to get them the promotion. You want to get them to where they're meant to be in life. You want to expand them into the greatest version of themselves. And you do it because it feels good and right for you to do. It's not ego. None of this is ego aligned. You do it because it lights you up. 
That said, you should be the leader. You should be in upper management because you want to bring everybody up. You want to lead people into their greatest potential and you do it without needing any thank you. The thank you of them getting where they're going is enough. You don't need to get credit for it. And that's what I love about expanders. Expanders are always the one to put you on their podcast, put you on stage, get you where you need to go, get your, your message out there, right? That getting the creator's message out there happens with the expander archetype. That said, you know you have a wound when you're expanding everybody else around you and you're getting everybody where they need to go and you are, your belief is that because you're so good at getting everybody else where they need to go and expanding them into their greatest potential, that you are not meant to be the center person on stage, but you are. Because by doing that, you expand the rest of us into our potential. The more you expand, the more we expand. So all of those archetypes are within you all the time. Those are all the ways that you can work from your soul, make more money doing it, live aligned every day with your soul. Because what we do is we, we do, you know, maybe you're doing meditation or yoga at home in the West. People go to church, not all West, but you know, some people go to church on Sundays or whatever, go to temple, and then they go to work and they leave their spiritual self at the temple on the, you know, rug with their yoga or wherever they're doing their spiritual work and they leave that there and then they go to work. And that is not what we're here to do. That's not the plan. So that's a sort of a simplified version of the four soul archetypes. And I, I invite everyone to take the quiz, see which one you're more that you feel more of, because that's the one that you can currently make more money doing. And, you know, let's face it. That's, you know, we say, we talk about meditation. We talk about alignment with our soul. We talk about oneness, but the main thing people want is money because once you have your needs met, you're good. You can go and do other things. Absolutely. So yeah. I think we kind of skip that part and talk about the rest, but it's the basic essential, which allows you to, you know, the self-actualization doesn't happen unless you get the basic needs met. Uh, Maslow did get it right in some way that, you know, you need those hierarchy and uh, that is necessary. And uh, thank you. I will definitely link up the quiz uh, when we share this podcast so people who are curious can actually go in and check what is their more dominant archetype and figure out how they can activate that but I think that's very true in terms of really monetizing it and really identifying how can you offer in a way what you're here mm -hmm. to do because I think um, you know this is something that I always say that all of us have a very unique gift, right? Like you said, the creator download, I think that resonated so much with me because writing for me happens through that way, right? So the podcast or my uh, writing in any form, book, eBooks, all of that comes from like a download, right? And it's it's almost as if, you know, my life depends on actually capturing that and putting it out, right? It's It's always that intense with that kind of energy. And I think we do great disservice if we block that energy and not really allow it to flow through us. So- it's, um, yeah, it's, your, your soul assignment is bigger, you know, blocking that it's not just blocking like, oh gosh, I'm, uh, you know, my, my mother said this and I could never do that or whatever we have. It's like, no, you're actually, those downloads are here to usher in the higher age that we are going into the higher yuga. We're going there now. Yeah. So there's not a lot of time for you to sit around and decide, I don't know, do I want to do this? Am I good enough? My parents said I couldn't what, like, go do it, go start sharing it share your blogs on medium there's a lot of places to share it for free start a tiktok threads whatever however you can get your word out go do that when you're ready to write a book go do that mm -hmm. 
It doesn't take a lot. It, you can publish it on Amazon. It doesn't take a lot of money, but the world needs your message. And yes, there's strategy with everything too. There's business strategy with everything you do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, don't just throw it on Amazon and hope people are going to find it. There is strategy, but um, you're right. It's, it's living in that intensity all the time. And that's, I mean, that's a great way to express how you know which archetype is so alive in you. Right. It's just, there is no off switch, right? The expander archetypes are always looking for the next person to lead into the next possibility. And we all need each other. Not, not one of these archetypes works by themselves. The creator archetype needs all the support of the other archetypes to get where they're going. And we all need the creator archetype to get out of this current mess we're in, in humanity. We need to get to the higher realms, the higher, higher, not realms, but we need to get to a higher level of consciousness. And the creator archetypes are going to be the one to get the download to bring us there. Now, I am generally a reflector archetype. I'm you know, and this is the reflector archetype wound. One, you can't see yourself. The other problem is we see the soul in everybody all the time and we don't see the bad behavior. So we get duped a lot. Mm -hmm. We get kind of messed over a lot and get our feelings hurt because we get taken advantage of because people are acting human <clears throat> and we take it and we realize we don't have to, but we're just seeing the soul and the love and the bliss and we're seeing who they truly are. So, you know, it's a problem. But, you know, we work through it, but all of them need each other. They all inter, they all are interconnected and they, they depend on each other and it's a beautiful dependence. So even in your corporate, you can see how each person is a different archetype primarily, right? But we're all of them. And I, you know, one year I was being more of a creator archetype and, you know, one year you're going to be more of an expander archetype when you're on stage. You know, and it's just, it's always changing, but you're all of them and they all have the potential to help you live aligned and make money. Beautiful, beautiful. And the question that comes to my mind is that sometimes, you know, like you said, that the soul assignment is already within us. It's not hiding or it's not somewhere that we need to discover it or dig it up, right? It's there uh, for us to listen to. But I think in today's age, you know, we've kind of tuned off that intuition completely, right? We live in the realms of logic and mind. Uh, and that intuition is something that we hear probably, you know, at our lowest moments or, you know, when we go through something emotionally intense, you know, those lows and the peaks, that's where I think we feel them. But how can we start regularly tuning into ourselves? I know you do a lot of work on intuition. I do. I mean, I have my own modality of healing that I've created called astral therapy. Um, I don't want to be the only one to experience the astral realm while I'm here. So I actually have a visual, a deep visualization, which I call astral therapy, where we travel into the higher realms, into the astral realm. And I help you decondition your limiting beliefs next week. As you know, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm, I'm doing a live in my Facebook group where I'm going to actually help people find their soul assignment and clear whatever's blocking them. So we do some deep work in there. That's free. Um, you know, your intuition, it's like the glasses on your face. It's there. And it's a matter of first logically in your mind, because if you're in your head, get out of your head. But if you're in your head, <laughs> um, if you're in your head, it's about trying first just to get into your heart, trying to see what lights you up, what makes you, what brings you joy. What is that? Is it going on a walk? Is it getting out away from the noise? It's hard in India. <laughs> is it going for a swim? Like, what is it that just brings you joy? 
and go do that because from your heart, your heart will start to, you'll start to percolate and feel the intuitive thoughts come. The other simple answer that I've given, you know, thousands of people is just say yes. You know, God is always there. God is everywhere, right? God is within us. So it's not separate. So even if you're stuck in your logical mind, feeling like I have to keep this very safe job, that's fine. I'm not trying to come and take your job away. I'm trying to get you a raise, right? <laughs> so nothing has to change. It's like when I talk to people about their diet and I'm like, you know, maybe they have, I don't really do this as a living, but sometimes, you know, people need to, to lose some weight and sometimes, or, or get rid of the inflammation in their body, but they're so addicted to food that they can't, they won't give up certain things. And I'm like, it's not about giving up your brownie and your ice cream forever, but are you willing to change brands mm. and go dairy-free and gluten-free and sugar-free? And then guess what? You can have all those things, won't taste as good, but pretty good. And you're going to drop all that weight and inflammation. It's the same with your intuition. You don't have to give up your job and your safety. Those are important. But the more intuitive, the more you tune into your heart and work from your heart, the more you're going to hear you in your intuition. If you can't feel your heart, if you're so in your head, simply talk to the universe, talk to God, talk to Ram and start saying, yes, I want to be intuitive. I open up my intuition. Let's do this. I'm ready. To whatever degree, whether it's a tiny bit or a huge amount, you just start asking for it because the universe is always listening. And when you humble yourself and say, all right, I've kind of been living away from my soul. It's time to get back into things. It's time. Let's do this. I'm ready. The universe isn't going to be like, no. You know, I had a really great, a really great analogy of this. Mm -hmm. If you were a parent, say you have kids. And for those who are listening, you know, you have kids, maybe you have a dog, whatever. I don't know if you have dogs in it. It's so much dogs. There's a lot of dogs in India, but I don't know if there are as many pets, but yeah, if yeah. you have, there's a lot of dogs, <laughs> but say you have a child, right? And that child comes home every day and you love this child. Maybe it's a niece and nephew, whoever this is, but they come home every day and you're in the kitchen and they walk right by you and they go to your, their room and they ignore you and they close the door and they come back downstairs and they leave and they go to school. And then every day they come home, they go upstairs, they go to the room, close the door, lock the door and come back, go to school, play, whatever. They never talk to you, they never look at you. And then one day this child turns to you, comes in the door, turns to you and looks at you and takes one step you're going to start running to that child. Do you think the universe doesn't do the same for you? Just say yes, take one step, and the universe will run toward you as a loving parent. It's not complicated. So beautiful. Yeah. That's all you have to do, right? Just say yes. Just say yes. Ask. The universe is waiting. You know, it's it's not, when you leave this world, you realize it's not a parent-child relationship in the way that we have the human world, but the universe loves you. God loves you. I say the universe because God is the universe. God is, you know, there's no one else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so whoever it is that you love, Krishna, Kali, um, Ganesha, whoever it is that you love, they love you infinitely more than you have the capacity to experience their love. 
And all you have to do is say yes. This is take one tiny step forward and not just yes once, right? Sometimes it's yes in a moment of desperation, like you say, your low point, your high point, but it's just a simple yes every day. Yeah. Every day without fail, every day. And it's not that they're not there. That yes isn't bringing them closer to you. It's bringing you closer to them. And there is, again, there's no separateness. So sometimes we have to talk in our limited human language, but it's, let's just say that each yes sheds a layer dissolves a layer that you have put up between you and the divine. And every time you say yes, you're dissolving one more layer and you just keep saying yes until there are no more layers or until the layers are so thin that you're feeling that answer back from the creator, from God. That's all. It doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. And I love how you said that it's saying yes every day, right? It's very easy to say yes uh, in hard times. It's very easy to say it in easy times. Uh, But, you know, even if you are not getting feedback, even if you're not able to get that answer that you're looking for, can you still have that faith, right? Uh, How Patanjali says in his Yoga Sutra, Shraddha, right? Without Shraddha, there's nothing without that faith uh, in that divinity. Yeah, and it is. It's It's having faith and it's also like, you know, especially for younger, younger people, younger generation, like be casual about it. You don't have to be so reverent. God's not waiting. Ron's not waiting for you to like, you know, get on the floor and chant. Like literally I'll talk to God all day and be like, it, seriously, sometimes stuff's happening. I'm like, are you serious? Like, really? This is what we're doing right now? Because I had other, all right, but I had other plans and I think my plan was better. And it's like, you have to laugh and giggle with God and joke and just, and just express your humanness. God wants that. God wants to experience humanness through us. So be human, but have the relationship and treat God like your, your friend and just be like, oh, okay. But like, when is this going to change? <laughs> like, are you serious? This can't be how it is, right? Come on. This is a joke, right? And you just have to be light because it's easier to have that than to feel like I have to set aside an hour in a day, an hour every day or two hours. I used to do four hours of meditation every day, sometimes five hours every day, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening, 45 minutes to an hour in the afternoon. It doesn't take that. It's just a matter of of being joyful of just having a sense of humor with God, sharing your life with God and sharing every moment. And God's, I'm just going to put this out here because I live in America and I can say this you're fine. The humanness you're experiencing is fine. Intimacy is fine. All of the human experiences is fine. Using bad words, cussing is fine. It's all fine. God created all of it and it's fine. You're doing fine. Have a relationship with God. Be in alignment with your soul. Don't feel like some of the human things are bad and some of the human things are good. In general, be a good person. You know, you want to be a good person. You want to, you want to, you want to don't create bad things in the world. Right. But in general, you're doing fine. And I think there's so much shame around intimacy around, you know, um, not living up to your parents' potential, whatever that is, the universe isn't worried about that stuff. Those are human things that only humans worry about. And don't let any of that hold you back from being the person you are. Don't carry shame. Shame is the worst trick of the lower realms. Shame and guilt. 
Absolutely. It's, it's like, it's the worst trick and it's not real. And I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but I feel like somebody here needed to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree with you, right? I think um, uh, it's one of the lowest emotions that we can feel where we feel we are wrong, right? And I think it crushes the divinity within us in a, such a large that, way. That's exactly well put. It crushes the divinity within us. Oh, I love that. It does. <laughs> yeah. It, it dampens it and yeah. you shouldn't feel shame about anything that they that you were made for Absolutely. you know and then look at what you're made for yeah like yes it, it, there's a lot of things that we're, we're ashamed about that are totally natural and fine um living your soul assignment whatever you're feeling called to do that's natural and fine despite what your parents might think you should do to make them proud <laughs> you know and it's it's just about who do you want to make proud your parents or god yeah what are you living your life for the divine your soul or your family and i think the answer for a lot of people is both both yeah i was just both. gonna say that. yeah yeah i think that's the answer is both it's not one but or the other hide. you can't hide who you really are yeah and be one with your soul you're not going to reach higher levels of consciousness, samadhi, self-realization, and hide who you are. That's not going to happen. Yeah. You, know, you look at Paramahansa Yogananda, and he was kind of a rebel. You know, he didn't do what his parents wanted him to do. He didn't get married. He yeah. didn't do all the things that they wanted him to do. I'm sure there's a lot of stories like that. Yeah. They didn't do everything they were supposed to do, and yet they became who they were meant to be. Yeah. And I think that applies to everybody. And that didn't happen to them by accident, just so we can enjoy little stories. Those stories are out there to say, this is for you too. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully with the forceful archetypes, you can have both. You can live from your soul, be authentic, make good money. But be, you know, at the end of, the, at the end of your, your last breath, none of this matters. The only thing that matters is living from your soul. That's it. Absolutely. Raising your consciousness, raising your level of consciousness and living from your soul. That's, that's, there's nothing else to do in this world. Yeah. There really isn't. Anything else disappears the second you take your last breath. Yeah. Powerful, right? Yeah. It's simple though, right? Um, it's so simple and there's nothing to be afraid of. You can have that and you can have money and you can have a great house and a nice car and all of it. The universe yeah. isn't judging that part. We <laughs> as humans put judgment on it because yeah. we like to live in a hierarchy of better, worse, good, bad. We like the duality because we believe the duality is real, that we live in. The separateness is real. So we're always finding like more microwaves, micro ways to separate ourselves from each other. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, financial classes or cars or education. Yeah. All of it. Yeah, We're sure. finding ways to separate ourselves from each other. And when you leave this world, we realize you're all one. Yeah. It's it's silly. And if everyone just knew that, we would treat each other a lot better. And, you know, that. but that's what we need. It's not this hope of like, oh, hopefully one day. No. Yeah. Wow. No. Yeah. You can right drop now, it now. Your, you can drop it now. You can start to treat people with kindness now. It doesn't mean you have to give somebody poor all your money. You know what they want more than money? to be seen those we people are. feel invisible yeah wait they're ignored 
they're shunned from society. Sometimes I don't give homeless people money. I give them my smile, like my true radiant. I see you smile. I see you. I treat them as a human. Often that's what they need more than money. Yeah. In this world is to be seen. You can give kindness. You can give more than money all day. That's my point. It's not about giving money if you're rich and feeling like, oh, if I'm if I get rich, then I have to give it all away. Mm-hmm. Give your love away. No. Give that away. Absolutely, right? So simple, right? So simple. And such an effortless state of being. Uh it could be, right? If we can just not be in conflict with ourselves the whole time and just be that one, right? But you can, because that's a choice. You know, you don't have to be in bliss to do that. You just choose. No. And this is your intuition speaking. So yeah. the next person you walk by who looks destitute, who looks, you know, like they're out on their luck. You don't have, don't turn your head away. Yeah. Look them in the eyes and smile. You don't owe them anything. You don't have to give them money or food if you don't want to. However, if the next thought in your head is give them some food. Then you know what? Guess what? That's your intuition. Give them the food. Yeah. Maybe you're holding a bag of chips in your hand. Yeah. Can't what they're called. My daughter loves them. The little, they're like thin. Um, I don't know what they're called. Yeah. <laughs> she loves them. Um, you know, maybe you have something in your hand, some fruit, and your intuition tells you to look at somebody. The next step, give them the fruit. You can afford a piece of fruit. If you're listening to this podcast, you can you have you're fine. <laughs> it's those more little moments fine. in life you're more than fine you know <laughs> you're listening to on an on a phone or a computer or a macbook you're fine yeah give little things away but mostly give your attention give your give them the human contact of i see you here you are not invisible you are not less important mm-hmm. more money you have give more of that away if you're attached to your money and you don't want to give money away give that away yeah that's all. Give that away. And don't live with a fear of, oh my God, what if they come after me? Use your intuition to, to listen to your intuition of who to look at. Yeah. Maybe it's a child who just wants a piece of fruit. Yeah. It doesn't take much. And watch how your life changes. You want to know how to listen to your intuition? Start with that. Yeah. And watch your life change. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I think that was so profound. Yes. Thanks for creating the space for it. I mean, this podcast is beautiful, you know, and I hope more and more people get to hear it all the time because your message is so simple and profound and important, you know, and that's, that's, that's what people need. They don't need complicated. Yeah, true. I think we've complicated enough. (laughs) We've done that already. I know. It didn't, how did that work out for us? Right. We complicated it. How's that working? Not so good. Look at our world. We have such a higher potential. We don't have to wait till we die to go to the higher realms. We can have that realm here now. Maybe not right now. It's going to take a second, but we can work on it right within our community, within our, within our houses, within this podcast, a very elevated conversation. Yeah. I think it was, um, Jiddu Krishnamurti who had written saying that, you know, uh, Sometimes we expect that trans, you know, transformation and understanding is going to take lifetimes, but it can happen in this very instant. You know, if you're willing to drop away everything that's not you, it can happen in this very instant. You know, it's just that that is also. Well, and, here's the 
thing. How, it's going to happen in an instant. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm saying that's also conditioning, right? Because we feel that we have to work hard towards getting that transformation too. Maybe it doesn't have to. When be. the transformation comes, when that transformation comes in many lifetimes from now, it's going to happen in an instant. So do you want that instant to be this lifetime right now or in a hundred lifetimes? Either way, there's only this one moment. Linear time is not real. Yeah. It's not real. So every moment is the instant mm -hmm. of your transformation. Every moment, the universe is trying to get you your transformation. Yeah. You don't have to wait lifetimes because, I mean, honestly, when you realize who you are and you come into that oneness, you don't have to continue living lifetimes if you don't want to on this realm. You can go to higher realms. Yeah. You're never going to not be necessary, even when you're in full bliss, you know, you'll be in a different realm that we might not be able to conceive of, but you'll be somewhere. Absolutely. I think it's just about saying yes, right? Can you say so. yes right now? Yeah. Can you say yes right now? One yes, drop one level of that veil between you and the divine, you and your soul. That's it. And I have clients who have done that for years and sometimes it's taken a year or six months, but they do it because that's their level of faith. And then they come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, what happened to my life? You know, and sometimes I'll have a call with one, one I'm in her book, she wrote about me <laughs> and, and she has a book out now. And she was saying, you know, that I started with something so simple because she's very logical. She's an attorney, very logical and very in her head. And, you know, I remember when she, when we discovered her soul assignment and she said, it's like, we opened the box. Her first words after we opened and she saw what it was, she goes, can we put it back? <laughs> yeah. Can we put it back? Like, I don't want to do something that big, you know? And now she's like running retreats and she's got, you know, a book that's doing great. And it's, it's, you know, and she's a lawyer. She's both right now. Yeah. She's both. But she started with saying yes. And I think at the time she was like, I paid you how much? Just tell me to say yes. <laughs> it was one thing I said, you know, <laughs> she's being sarcastic, but it's the one thing that worked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a simple, simple advice. Nothing's complicated. Amazing. Anything that you want the listeners who've probably been with us for so long to take away, if there's one thing they want to take away from this podcast, what would that be? I think the message I'm getting right now for them is you're perfect as you are. You don't have to change anything. Drop the shame. There's a lot of people listening right now with some shame and guilt. So I, I tend to be, you know, hearing a lot for them. Drop the shame, drop the guilt. It wasn't your fault. You don't have to carry that anymore. It's not for you to carry anymore. Let it go. As of this moment, dissolve it, let it go. Start saying yes to the universe, Ram, whoever it is that you, you um, pray to, Start saying yes today, right now. Say it with me. <laughs> Say yes. <laughs> it's so simple. Have some humor about it. You don't have to be so serious. The universe isn't trying to make you, you know, the goal of life isn't for you to be perfect and serious. It's for you to say yes, have some fun, loosen up a little bit, drop the shame and guilt. Everything in your life has happened because it was meant to. You didn't make the mistakes that you think you made. Those are actually exactly getting you where you're meant to be. And I think we tend to hold on to the guilt and shame around making some mistake or some, you know, wrong turn in life. But actually, those were the correct turns 
the correct turns that the universe wanted you to make, although your family, friends, colleagues may have, you, you may have told you it was the wrong turn, it was actually the right turn. So now knowing that, what I want you to know is everything is happening exactly for you to be who you're meant to be. And it's just time to start saying yes in your heart. That's it. That's it. But I think the obstacle that we were just dissolving there is the shame and guilt that they carry, that they can't even say yes because they're carrying too much shame and guilt. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you're out there. And it's it's literally like you're the one holding on to it so tight. And the universe is like, can I, can I, can I have, and you're like, no. And the universe is like, no, 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 seriously. But like, I, I, I and you're like, no, no. <laughs> open your hands and let it go. It's that, I'm like, I have my camera on at this point. Um, <laughs> open your hands and let it go. It's not hard. The shame, the guilt, it's not for you. Did you learn from it? Great. Move on. Open your hands up. Let the universe take it. It's like trying to pull a toy out of a little kid's hand, you know, <laughs> it's impossible, but it's going to be, you have to let it go. That's really, I think the message that, that your people needed to hear. It's what I'm feeling. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, for uh, you, cause I'm getting something. I have you here. It's time to write a book. I, you, have you written a book? Have you gotten it out there in a big way? I've written the book. I'm waiting for it to be published. Okay. At least the first yeah. one. <laughs> The first one, okay, because I keep feeling, hearing like she's meant for more. You're meant for being on bigger stages. So I see you on stages. I see you on corporate stages. I see you on, you know, bigger podcasts. I hope that you're trying to get yourself on big podcasts. Um, yeah, whatever this message is, it's not just for India. It really is for the world platform, the world stage. So I hope that you're getting yourself out there in a bigger way because you do have all archetypes are activated. And I think some of them just, you need to see yourself as the leader in your industry. Absolutely. You you mentioned that friend who said, can I put it back? I think I had that moment three years ago. <laughs> you did? Yeah. 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 I just, that that vision you just said about uh, uh, me speaking uh, in that larger stage and that larger audience, just yeah. had that. And uh, I've just been following that. I said, okay, yeah, I have to get there. I have no idea how. Just be doing one step at a time towards that. Let's see. Yeah. Get that book out. Get that book out as quick as you can, because the world is ready for your book. Yeah, it's. Uh, I it went through the traditional route, so Hay House oh. India is publishing it. But oh, good. Time. Okay, good. That makes more sense because I'm like, no, she's gonna go big. <laughs> yeah, it, it's still the India arm of Hay House, though, that is uh, taken on the book. No. But yeah, I think they'll sell the rights to internationally as well. Even if they don't, you just write another book and publish with a bigger, you know. It doesn't matter either way. I mean, at this point, it could be, you know, TED Talks. It could be, you're just, you just need to get whatever this message is. I don't even, have you shared it on, on, on your podcast? Uh, what? The vision? Your message? No. No, that's why they're bothering me so much live on your show. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, let's just turn the tables for a second here and put her on the spotlight. <laughs> you have some big message that you're here to share with the world and you've been keeping it a secret till your book comes out. I get that. I did that with the four soul archetypes. I didn't really talk about it until the book was published because it's so simple and I really wanted it out in the way I wanted it out. So I get that. But whatever this message is, yeah, it's not just for India. The world is ready. That's why you need to get on. I see like, yeah, TV, radio podcast shows. There's a bigger assignment on your soul than than this podcast. I mean, thanks for having me, you know, but you're you're here for something much bigger. 
See, and this, this is the thing with people listening. I could say the same thing to a lot of people listening if I, if I knew them. You know, maybe not every single person is meant to be on, on an international stage like you are. But yeah, you're headed for something really big. One step at a time. It's scary. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, kind of one step at a time. And then also, like, time's not real. So, yeah, you know. Uh, hiding, if right? You say so. It's kind of like one step at a time if you say so. Or if you say, yeah, my book's going to, you know, I, I literally put it out there that I would be a number one international bestselling author. Yeah. And I was. Yeah. By the end of the first day of my book being out there, it was number one in five countries, number wow. two in the UK. So you just start, instead of saying, and this is not just for you, and I don't mean to coach you, I'm just, I feel like people listening need to hear this too. And so I'm just picking on you and using you as an example. Why not? <laughs> you here for it? <laughs> um, instead of saying, you know, one day it's going to happen one step at a time, allow it to happen now because time doesn't exist. Every single timeline is happening right now. The future, this is kind of crazy, the past, present, future are all happening right now yeah. because the universe doesn't live in linear time. It's how we experience it. But your future on stage, your future as a best-selling author is already happening right now. So you can put as many steps between right now and right now as you want, but really it's all right now. And if you decide it's one step at a time, it's going to take a few years. We'll see what happens. You, you start using that language on yourself. The universe is like, all right, one step at a time. We'll see how it goes. It'll take a few years. Or mm -hmm. if you just start saying, I am a best-selling international best-selling author right now. My book has gone viral right now. Or whatever it is that everyone's listening to, it will start happening right now. And then the now you're living in now and the future now will merge. This is what we talk about with like quantum leaps. You're moving from, you're jumping from one timeline that we're living in now to the future timeline and you're bringing it, it's kind of getting a little crazy, but it. No, I can, I can relate to what you're saying. Success. Yeah. It's just a faster way to get to success because none of it lives in time. So I don't know why I had that. I think it wasn't just for you. I was just using an example for the people that are thinking, oh, well, this is a really lovely podcast. Maybe later. <laughs> no, right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I just had you to pick on. <laughs> so oh, thank you. <laughs> very true. Very true. Thank you. I needed to hear that as well. So I think every, I think a few people needed to hear that. We tend to believe in time too much. And for you, I just see you as like a yeah, there's something really big happening here. So and and for several people listening to the podcast and they're hiding. They're hiding. And I see you. Maybe I don't see you in your face, but I see, I feel you. Yeah. And I'm just one person. You think the universe isn't sitting there going, oh my goodness, can we get going on this thing yet? Come on already. <laughs> Is her one step not over yet? Right. How long does she want to stay in the step? Like, yeah. you know, the step isn't real. Just keep, keep expanding. Yeah. Keep being, um, keep living in the now of, of the highest potential you have. I, I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah. Don't keep it in mind. Keep it in your heart. Hot. <laughs> Just be it. Be it right now. Yeah, it's a whole different topic. But and I'm sure you're very good at that already. But it's yeah, it's just about being all of it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that was that was lovely. Unexpected, but lovely. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I don't think it was just for you. Like I said, I think there is people that just needed to hear it. And I had to use you as an example. So. <laughs> Mind. not at all not at all thank you so much i think that was uh, 
Beautiful. And I'm, I'm really glad we could make this conversation happen. So thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yes.